When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Enterprise, the recruitment company improving people's lives for over 50 years. This is the Enterprise Canterbury Sports Corner with Frankie Mackay on SENZ. So, uh, good morning from uh, Christchurch to the Enterprise uh, Canterbury Sport Corner. My name is Garth Galloway. I'm hosting the show today in the absence of uh, Frankie Mackay. And it's a very warm welcome to all of our listeners. And, of course, this uh, show is brought to you by uh, Enterprise, the recruitment company that uh, improving people's lives for over 50 years, and we're grateful indeed for the support that we get from uh, that wonderful recruitment kind of, uh, company, Enterprise. Uh, so, what's on today? Well, just reflecting on uh, another black clash which occurred uh, last night. Uh, the cricketers getting up and having a win last night for a change. It's not always that way, is it? The team cricket scoring 198 for nine after 20 overs, Hamish Marshall scoring 72, hasn't lost it at all, Deficit, Anton Deficit's 38, Andrew McDonald 27, and Nathan McCullum 16, and the bowling for the team, for the uh, team rugby, McCaw, three overs, none for 25, Geordie Barrett, none for 31 from three overs, uh, Wheeler, none for 24 from two, uh, and on it goes, Andy Ellis, expensive, but took wickets, four for 47 from four, and Kieran Reid should have played cricket three for 23 from four. 
So they scored 198 for nine, did team cricket, and team rugby replied with 192 for five off 20 overs. Kieran Reid, 73. Uh, Caelan Boschia, 44. And Neil Broom playing for team rugby, 32. So another wonderful fundraising occasion, and it's team cricket who won that match. And tonight, of course, uh, you'll be thinking, all of our listeners, I'm quite sure, We'll be starting to think about that second one-day international coming to us from India. What an extraordinary match that first one was. And it looked like with India scoring 349 for eight, it always looked like that was going to be a very tough task indeed for the uh, New Zealand side to chase. Shubman Gill, 208. Quite extraordinary effort from him, 208 from 149 balls and a total of 349 and uh, for New Zealand I thought the best of the bowlers, well uh, Santner won for 56 from 10, Mitchell I thought underused, 5 overs at 2 for 30 and Braceville 6 overs, none for 43, Shipley, uh, Ferguson and Tickner all a little bit expensive and then in reply of course that magnificent innings uh, from uh, Michael Braceville, we might talk about that a little bit later with our panellists, Brendan Egan and, uh, of course, Rod Latham. So it's a very warm welcome on the Enterprise Canterbury Sport Corner. Enterprise, a recruitment company, improving people's lives for over 50 years. And uh, we've got our first uh, guest with us uh, today, Paul Piawini. Kia ora, Paul. Kia ora, kia ora, morena. How are you? All good? Yeah, no, very good. Very, very good. Thank you. Very excited for the day today. Okay, so Paul, just tell tell me about your role. You're uh, you're associated with the Kaiawa Sports Club, and uh, you're hosting, as I understand it, an invitational uh, touch tournament here in Christchurch at Chilton Park. Yeah, the Trident Homes um, Kaiawa Touch Tournament today is uh, pretty big. We are uh, on the Premier Men's Team and Team Coach, and uh, you know I've been fortunate to be. Um, uh, supporting Nasa Silbury and setting up this, um, you know, huge co-papa for our touch community. Um, and we have been, uh, yeah, well, we welcomed yesterday um, with Ngātuhiriri Manafinua. They welcomed, you know, teams from the deep south, from um, Otago and Southland and um, teams from up north as well, from Auckland area. So, yeah, very big tournament today. Kia ora, Paul. Tell us a, a little bit about... Uh Kaiawa and and the things that Naza has been doing. It started off, as I understand it, with uh, with a netball team and giving people an opportunity to play for the club, and that's now evolved into touch. Tell tell me about the the club, how it started, and, and Naza's great the mahi. Yeah, so um, you know, had a, a Naza started netball team a few years ago, and. Um, I you know, it, was, it was going very very well and successful and I and I thought to myself well what maybe he'd be keen on touch and he's uh, East New Zealand um, captain and Canterbury stalwart so as soon as I said to him oh, what about touch for Kaiowa and he said yes let's go for it and after that short conversation um, you know a few weeks later he said Polder we've got 13 youth teams and five adult teams so it just <laughs> exploded um, mainly because Nasa is such a popular guy in our community. Um, and a wonderful person, and he just put in so much work to get the club started. He's been well supported by, you know, a good army and family behind him and friends. Um, he's reached out to people in the community and businesses have gone behind him, with Trident Homes and Te Putahi Tanga. Um, yeah, and it's just, and even this year it's grown to another uh, four youth teams, and then he, we talked about this tournament, getting it down here because a lot of teams can't travel up to, um, you know, the the 
the big touch tournament up in Whakatane um, due to the cost. So we thought, well, let's get it down here. And Naza, once again, just ran with it. Um, and he just nailed it. So he's worked very, very hard. Um, barely gets any sleep because he's working so hard on this. And, yeah, he's made a wonderful event. It was amazing yesterday. And today, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to finish really well. So that's incredible. So you had, uh, so, so just, just to touch on it again. So as I understand it, the tournament in Whakatani is uh, the North Island Championships and a lot of the teams yeah, yeah. obviously all have to pay their own way. They can't do it. So you've set up this yep. invitational tournament here in Otatahi. Yes, yes. And we um, put it out there to, you know, all, all of the teams uh, throughout, you know, uh, Touch New Zealand and uh, Contacts and a lot of teams like North have come down to support the Kaupapa. Um, and it's it's really important for our South Island-based teams to get exposure to some of those really top-class um, teams from up north, and then that'll help them with their um, national campaigns, which are in March and Palmerston North. Um, yeah, but it was a cost factor, so, um, you know, teams just couldn't travel. You know, it's 900 on the flights and something for the Dunedin crew, so to be able to bring something to the South Island, um, you know, make it a, an awesome event and, you know, get, so their families can watch them because they can't always travel up north as well, so... That's a big part of it. And I guess the, the number one kaupapa is this club um, is is kaupapa Māori. So it's got kaupapa Māori values. Um, and today we've also got the at 12.30 exhibition games for all our, all our youth players. And those are little kids from, you know, four years of age all the way up to our 16 till get live streamed. So that, you know, a big kaupapa is for our children to, uh, you know, to have opportunities. Well, I'm interested to hear you saying that it's got uh, kaupapa uh, Māori values. Tell us about that. Yeah. Yeah, so I guess um, the first thing was we wanted to do it right um, in terms of tikanga. So yesterday we started with a pōwhiri, and um, and part of that is to ensure that we are we are teaching, you know, our, our urban Māori about, about their kaupapa, but also sharing that tikanga um, and, and, and te ao Māori with, with all, so anyone who comes to this tournament will will be, uh, you know, will be embracing kaupapa Māori. Um, things like whanaungatanga, um, unity, um, you know, forming relationships, um, you know, the use of te reo Māori around. So there was um, karakia and so prayer and whaikōrero speeches yesterday. So just exposing kaupapa Māori um, and te ao Māori to all people in our touch community. Um, and obviously uh, throughout the day too, we've got, um, you know, uh, People coming down with stores to talk about rumi rumi, so massage and different things that um you know people aren't normally exposed to. So it's a, it, uh, I guess it's tough. Warm, warms a, my heart, Paul. Tournament. Yeah, yeah, absolutely wonderful. And, is, and, and, uh, and yeah, thanks for thanks for your mahi, uh, ehoi. That's a that's a wonderful thing, and uh, and great to introduce those concepts and fantastic for people to come and see it. So you've got sixteen men's teams, six women's teams. You've been through pool play. Uh, and it, as I understand it, it's quarterfinal, semifinal, and finals today. Who, who are the big guns? You've got a couple of teams from the North Island. Yeah, so in the, in the women's grade, uh, Bullets um, won Fakatani. They're a um, South Auckland team, Chinese team, and, and they've been um, you know national champions. Um, and they're, they're very, very good. And we've got uh, Steelers from down south who played in the um, Touch New Zealand PTL, Premier Touch League, and, and they are very high performers too. So... Um, I expect those two women's teams to be in the final, um, but we've got a Kiowa team who um, the scores were closest to those are competitive, so anything can happen in semi-finals. And in the um, in the men's draw, we've got the top seeded teams who have gone through as expected were Pearl Jam, um, who are a North Harbour-based team, and Loaded, who are a, another county's team, 
And we've also got Bullets, who's the second county's team, um, and Factory Top Deerpool, who are a Christchurch-based team. Um, and our Kiowa team had a close match yesterday, so, yeah, we're going to get in there and uh, ruffle some feathers too, we hope. Get stuck in, Paul, and tell me what time does, do you get underway today? Uh, 9.30 is the men's quarterfinals, and then it's just big big games all day. So, yeah, welcome welcome down, everyone. It'll be a and the finals? Um, women's are 1.45, and men's are 3.20. At Sheldon Park. Brilliant. That's Paul Piawini from uh, the Kiowa Sports Club. Kia ora, Paul. Thanks so much for joining us. Have a wonderful day and uh, best wishes with all of those great things that you're doing with uh, our young New Zealanders. The Touch Tournament, the Kiowa Invitational uh, Touch Tournament at Sheldon Park. They get underway around 9.30 today. The finals starting at uh, 1.45pm. Back in a moment. And welcome back to the Enterprise Canterbury Sport Corner Breakfast. Enterprise, the recruitment company improving people's lives for over 50 years. And on SENZ, we're grateful for the support that we get from uh, Enterprise. Now it's time for what's going on in Canterbury. You heard uh, already that the uh, Kaiawa Invitational Touch Tournament is underway, play getting underway there at 9.30 this morning. The final starting at 1.45pm, that's at Sheldon Park. There's the St Albans Skate Jam that promises to be a whole lot of fun. The Phillipstown Community Market Day is on. Kia to the people in Phillipstown. We have the National Youth Brass Band, the Tree Tech Spark 2023, and something that really piqued my fancy, the pre-Bear Fest, Bear Fest. That's being held at Two Thumbs Brewery in Manchester Street. The doors open at midday. The Penny Blues Band starts playing at 2pm. And there'll be bears there from over 12 local craft breweries. That sounds like a lot of fun. The pre-Bear Fest, Bear Fest uh, at Two Thumbs Brewing in Manchester Street. Tomorrow... Uh, there is the, the Manu competition, the Hapua Hallswell Summer Pool that will be at. And I saw the Thai Festival, which looks uh, wonderful as well, at Victoria Square. Free admission to everybody, and there'll be uh, food, uh, cooking lessons for anyone who wants it, and demonstrations in relation to Thai food. That could be a great way to improve things at home. Art, culture, and uh, heritage. So the Thai Festival from 10 o'clock tomorrow morning until 8 p.m at uh, Victoria Square and then of course live at the point 2023 that continues over in uh, Diamond Harbour it starts at midday a, a musical uh, joy really for people to go and uh, enjoy some music uh, sit outside dogs are welcome that makes it very appealing to me any event where dogs are welcome gets my tick you can drive around it takes about 30 minutes to get to Diamond Harbour from the centre of town uh, or, of course, you can jump on the ferry and head across to live at the point. So that's what's happening in uh, Canterbury this weekend. And now it's time for Frankie's Fill in Five. It's time for Frankie's Five. All right. Well, I thought with the with the uh, one-day series at New Zealand beating Pakistan in Pakistan 2-1, a wonderful series, and and then uh, just uh, getting pipped really at the end against uh, India, chasing 349 
uh, in that game last night. They fell uh, just a few runs short, but Michael Bracewell's 140 from 75 deliveries in extraordinary innings. Uh, and I thought, why don't we focus on the five best ODI cricketers uh, for New Zealand in history? Now, I'm actually going to do six because I wanted to have two batsmen, two bowlers, and I thought we should also choose a wicketkeeper uh, and an all-rounder. And of the batsmen, there are a lot of Canterbury players who feature. The top of them, the, the, in terms of run scoring, averages, and there's a lot of things to look at as well, because then you consider strike rate. You also consider, I think, uh, the era that the players were playing in. Uh, Nathan Astle, Chris Cairns, uh, Stephen Fleming, Chris Harrison, and, of course, uh, our own Tom Latham, the Canterbury players who feature amongst the great batsmen in New Zealand's one-day cricket history, uh, but also Astle's record, 223 matches, 7,090 runs, an average of 34 and a strike rate of 73, putting him right at the top. Cairns, 214 matches, nearly 5,000 runs, an average of 29 at a strike rate of 83, also useful. And then we look at players like Martin Crow, 143 matches, nearly 5,000 runs, an average of 38.55 and uh, playing in 72 matches. The great Stephen Fleming, that graceful and wonderful left-hander and, of course, a very good leader of uh, New Zealand teams over an extended period. He played 279 one-day internationals, scored 8,000 runs uh, at an average of uh, 32, a strike rate of 71. And other players who featured here were in my uh, books were Guptill, Chris Harris, of course, 250 games, an average of 29. Uh, uh, Brendan McCullum, 260 games, 6,083 runs, uh, an average of 30, and a strike rate, an extraordinary strike rate for McCullum over his career of 96 in one-day international cricket. Scott Styrus, uh, Taylor, Ross Taylor, Glenn Turner, 41 matches. So Turner only playing in 41 matches but he scored 1,508 runs in that time at an average of 47 uh, and a strike rate of 68. And bear in mind that the game was played very differently when Glenn Turner was playing it. Uh, they didn't play with the sort of freedom and uh, a, a, that they do now. Uh, so that strike rate of 68, highly respectable. The average, quite incredible from Glenn Turner. He was a great player. And then uh, we come to the two who I picked as our best two uh, one-day international uh, batsmen of all time, Ross Taylor. I think our best. 236 matches, 8,607 runs, an average of 47 at a strike rate of 83. Extraordinary figures for Ross Taylor. And perhaps no surprises that I've also picked Kane Williamson. Uh, 161 matches, 6,554 runs, at, again at an average of 47. So Taylor Turner and Williamson all averaging 47 and Williamson's strike rate is 80. So my two best uh, one-day international batsmen, uh, Kane Williamson and Ross Taylor. The wicketkeeper was a pretty straightforward uh, ask for me. Uh, McCullum, 260 matches, 6,083 runs at 30, uh, and a strike rate of 96. Second in that line, I had Adam Porori at 179 matches. He scored just over 3,000 runs. Strike uh, at an average of 25 and a strike rate of 68. But Brendan McCullum, I think, clearly New Zealand's finest one-day international uh, wicketkeeper. And then the bowlers, and they make for interesting reading. Again, Canterbury featuring well with uh, Shane Bond, Chris Cairns, Richard uh, Hadley, Sir Richard Hadley, of course, uh, Chris Harris uh, among our very best, and then the Northern Districts players that we have: uh, Southie, Styrus, and uh, Vittori. 
wasn't an easy one picking the bowlers, but I thought, you know, Bond, 82 matches, took 147 wickets at an average of 20. Uh, Cairns, wonderful career, 214 matches, 200 wickets at an average of 32. I also looked at the economy rates. Cairns, 4.83, so just a little bit more expensive than some of the other ones. Uh, Chris Harris, 250 matches. He took 203 wickets at an average of 37, so a little bit expensive there at 4.28. And a player who people, I think, often forget, Kyle Mills, 171 day international matches for New Zealand. He took 240 wickets at an average of 27 and an economy rate of 4.7. So extraordinarily uh, good average and a fine wicket taking uh, ratio. Uh, then I. Uh, Tim Southey, 154 matches, 210 wickets at an average of 33, but his economy rate 5.4. And, of course, Daniel Vittori, that wonderful left-arm spinner, 291 matches, 297 wickets at an average of 32, an economy rate of 4.12. But none of them were in my uh, top two bowlers. Sir Richard Hadley uh, is one of them. 158 wickets at an average of 21 and an economy rate of 3.3. I don't think we'll see better figures from a New Zealand bowler in one-day international cricket in the future. And, of course, the current Trent Bolt, 187 wickets at 23, and a strike rate in the modern game of 4.93, when, of course, the batsmen are more uh, aggressive, and he's bowling often at the top and usually at the death. So the top two bowlers for me, uh, Sir Richard Hadley and Trent Bolt, and then finally... I looked at our all-rounders, and really I thought amongst them uh, there were three contenders. Scott Styrus, and Styrus's bowling figures are excellent. 188 matches, he took 137 uh, wickets. And in those, in that time, he also scored 4,483 runs at an average of 32, often forgotten Scott, Scott Styrus. And, of course, Chris Harris, who, who I've referred to. But for me, the best all-rounder that New Zealand has produced in one day international cricket, Chris Cairns, 214 matches, he scored... 4,881 runs at an average of 29, a very good strike rate of 83. And to top that, he took 200 wickets at an average of 32 and an economy rate of 4.83. So there you have it. My best two batsmen are, of course, uh, Ross Taylor and Kane Williamson, the best wicketkeeper, undoubtedly Brendan McCullum. Our best two bowlers in one-day international cricket, Sir Richard Hadley and Trent Bolt, and the best all-rounder, Chris Cairns. That's uh, Frankie's uh, fill-in five. And welcome back to the Canterbury Sports Corner brought to you by Enterprise. And we're now joined by the Canterbury Kings cricket captain, Cole McCoggie. Thanks for joining us at this early hour on a Saturday morning, Cole. No, thank you very much for having us. Um, looking forward to it. No problem. I'm just looking at the... Uh, you're, you're deeply ensconced in the moment in the Super Smash, I see. And I have to say, looking at the points table with uh, the Canterbury, the Kings sitting in third place at the moment it's an incredibly close competition yeah it really is this year I think you know um, six really even um, even teams across the board and um, you know we're probably fortunate you know to be sitting in third we haven't quite played our best cricket this season so um, uh, big last three games for us uh, big last four games sorry um, you know and hopefully be there or thereabouts come finals time so at the moment, you've got the Stags, who are on 18 points from six games, the Firebirds, seven games and 14 points. And then it's the Canterbury Kings and Otago Vaults tied. Uh, six games played by both of them. They're in 12 points each, and ND and Auckland 
uh, at 10 points. You've got a match on Monday in Wellington. Uh, that, that'll be a crucial game. Yeah, that, that'll be a big game. I think, you know, each game will be, you know, really important for us. Um, leading in now, we've got Wellington, um, then we play the Stags, and then we've got um, Otago twice. So I think, you know, Wellington be a big game up there on their anniversary day um, on Monday. Um, but as I say, you know, every game is going to be really important, and probably realistically we need to have three or four, um, three out of four wins to um, secure a semi-final spot. Yeah, and it looks like uh, the Central District Stags have, sec- you know, barring um, um, Hell would have to freeze over, it looks like if they're not going to get into top place. But uh, it looks like you're really fighting for uh, getting into that Eliminator final. And I-, I imagine if all is going well, you'd be hoping to host that. Yeah, yeah, certainly. I think, you know, being able to host at Hagley, you know, with, with um, conditions we're very familiar with and, you know, a good... Cantab support's always um, important. So I think, um, yeah, I think, as, as you say, you know, the next few games are really crucial for us and Stags are playing some good cricket. But in saying that, you know, you get on a bit of a roll and, you know, win three or four and who knows, you could be hosting the final. Nicole, tell us about your standout players for the year. Uh, who, are, who are the people who have uh, who are serving the team well in terms of batting Leo Carter I see 144 runs at at 48 and a strike rate of 112 Chad Bowles 169 runs at 42 he continues to impress yeah I think you know they've had a couple of um, really strong seasons I think Chad's just going from strength to strength at the top of the innings you know his ability to generate a strike rate and get our team off to a bit of a flyer um, you know has been crucial um, but, you know, the last couple of games, super impressed with Zach Folks, who's come in. Um, he's had two games under his belt, um, took the new ball for us the other night. Um, and, you know, he's just been really impressive. So I think he's going to be, you know, someone to really look out for in the future. And, um, you know, he's going to play a big part of our work the next few weeks. And your spin bowling options? Yeah, yep. Todd Astle, the evergreen Todd Astle, he's, um, he's been bowling beautifully this season. Um, you know, showed the other night his class. And um, Blake Coburn, the left-arm Chinaman, um, you know, yep. he's been really you know, imp- impressive when he's had his opportunity. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, we've got a nicely balanced attack and team. Um, and as I said a little bit earlier, we haven't quite um, put together our perfect game. So, um, you know, we'll be looking for that in the home run because the second half of the competition is definitely where it counts a little bit more. Absolutely. And, Cole, I, I thought... Uh... I'll just touch on Henry Shipley with you. No doubt you're watching closely uh, the New Zealand team playing in the current series in Pakistan and India. Henry, just given uh, one game against Pakistan and then quite expensive in the Indian game, you'll be watching with interest. It's it's a steep learning curve for a young fast bowler playing in the subcontinent. Yeah, certainly is. I think, you know, know, the boys back here, we're and behind Chappelle and it's, it's awesome to see him get an opportunity I think you know thoroughly deserved from what he's done the last few years and you know there's probably no harder place to go over and um, you know have a debut series especially against India the way that you know they were playing the other night and conditions over there for seam bowlers um, but you know I think you know he'll learn he'll learn heaps on the go he's a quick learner um, you know he'll be well prepared for the second game tonight um, and I'm sure he'll just go from strength to strength because he's a you know, quality player and a quality person as well. So um, with that support around him, I'm sure he'll put in a good showing tonight.
Thanks, Cole. Lovely to have you joining us. It sounds like you've got a couple of young ones there in the background, so the early start might be a normal thing. Yeah, yeah. early start is normal. Sorry about the wee salaries. Um, yeah, very, very talkative. He found his words, and yeah, that's, that's where he's going with now. <laughs> Don't ever apologise for, for that. It's wonderful hearing those happy noises on a Saturday morning in Otatahi Christchurch. That's Cole McConkie, the uh, captain of the Canterbury Kings. Thanks so much for joining us this morning. We'll take a break, and then we'll be back with the panel. And welcome back to the Enterprise Canterbury Sports Corner brought to you by Enterprise. And we've got the panel joining us today. Uh, well, two wonderful people and old mates, really. Brendan Telfer, uh, sports journalist and uh, wonderful broadcaster. Telf, how are you? Happy New Year. Uh, thank you, Garth. Yeah, yeah, it's... Um hasn't been the greatest of years when I think about it. I, I got COVID on Christmas Day, so I had COVID on the 1st of January, and then a couple of days ago I had my car keys stolen from a local swimming pool, um, which uh, was an experience I don't, I don't want to go through again because I didn't have a spare, key, a spare set of keys. So I haven't got off to the greatest of years. It can only get better from here on in, I guess. Did they steal the car as well? No, they didn't, fortunately, um, but it... Uh, it cost my insurance company four thousand uh, dollars to replace the car keys uh, under an emergency kind of situation, and uh, so it was. Yeah, it was quite a performance, I can tell you. But anyway, um, well, um, sounds yeah, like I'm still, you're, you're, I'm still alive. It's a very yeah. expensive car. You must be driving. You've always lived in, no, the, in the greatest of style, Tell. No, no, it wasn't actually. What happened is because of um, uh, I needed to, I didn't have a spare set of car keys, and the insurance company said if you can convince us this is an emergency, in other words, you've got personal items inside your car, which I did have, my wallet, to my cell phone, and other bits and pieces, we'll put this emergency um, locksmith uh, onto you. And so he drove his extraordinary experience. He drove three locksmiths arrived at my place um, at uh, six o'clock in the evening, and five and a half hours later. After a series of uh, emails between Germany and a factory in Russia, they were able to build me a new, uh, you know, press button key that opened my car and uh, worked as an ignition key as well. But it took them five hours. Three men parked in three different vans up my driveway. Extraordinary. And it sounds um, like they. Well, it sounds like they charge more than I do at Chapman Trip as well. So, so <laughs> yes, good to hear that right. people are yes. making money. What sort of car are you driving, Telf? Yeah. It was just a Volkswagen, uh, a V Dub, <laughs> and uh, and um, yes, that's right. It's about the only the only time in my life I've ever been charged more than a dentist or a lawyer was when I lost my car keys a couple of days ago. Anyway. Well, you you won't have an insurer paying your legal bills. Have we got Rod Latham with us as well? There, no, have we have? No, so no sign of Rob. We're supposed to be joined by Rod Latham. He's missing in action. The Academy of Funeral Services. Manager, no sign of uh, Rod Latham. He might be out doing some work. Who knows, Telf, but we've, we've got you. And uh, Telf, uh, are, you, are you watching the Australian Open and, and enjoying it? Oh, I am. It's, it's compelling. Um, 
Uh, I love watching Grand Slams and major championships in golf, and there's eight of them, four golf and uh, four tennis majors, or Grand Slams as they call them. But this is really the only one that's on in prime time every night in the middle of January. And so, yes, I've watched uh, every prime time match of Nadal a few days ago. I thought it was very sad uh, watching this powerhouse of modern-day tennis reduced to well, almost a shadow uh, of the player that he was at his best and couldn't even put an unknown Australian away without an enormous struggle and got beaten yesterday in that Murray match or the two matches of Murray's uh, have been even more extraordinary. I mean, I, I've never been a great fan of uh, Murray's because he's no. got this peculiar habit as so many of these tennis players have, yelling and screaming at somebody uh, every time he plays a bad shot as he bad mouths himself or his coach and this sort of self-flagellation. Um, but I really did, really wanted him to win the other day because I thought he was uh, finished as a tennis player, broken down bloke who'd had a new hip and could hardly walk. And here he was beating this 13th seed, Berrettini, and then this extraordinary match uh, against this Australian fellow um, the night before last. And so, yeah, I, I, I love this, both the men's and the women's tennis. It's just compelling. Yeah, it is. I, 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 and I think the thing that I've enjoyed about it, I mean, A, the timing of it is wonderful, as you say, and it starts, you know, New Zealand time into the late afternoon and then through the evening. But, but watching athletes, and you've, you know, you've watched athletes from all sorts of sports over many years and closely and with a keen, uh, you know, almost forensic interest. When you watch players like Nadal, I, I know that he was broken. And uh, in that, uh, you know, towards the end of the first set, he was injured and it looked like he wasn't going to carry on. But you watch players like Nadal and Murray and, and the courage that they show time and time again. It, it, it really is the mark of a true champion. And the fact that they can be two sets down, for example, they never seem to be out of a match. Yeah, it is. It's, uh, I suppose it just speaks wonder, does wonders of the human spirit. And then you see this in sport all the time. I can remember uh, my father telling me a story, it's probably well before your time, of an all black called Ryan Elveridge back in the 1950s. I think it was in the 1950s against the Lions. I know uh, the, the story. Was losing, and he had his head uh, just sort of lacerated by someone in a ruck, or, and he, he went off the field and they didn't have... Uh, replacements in those days and the All Blacks were down to, I think they lost someone else and they're down to 13 men and this bloke came back with his head bandaged uh, and against the odds uh, scored a try or something and, and led the All Blacks to a remarkable victory and again it was just I suppose an example of this, the human spirit can prevail over pain and anguish and uh, even your own sort of kind of mental depression in a time like that when you're feeling terrible because you're losing and you're injured um, and you see it, you see it in sport probably more so than most other areas. You know, maybe I don't know, maybe in battles, I suppose sometimes, and war stories that we hear. But uh, it's the great thing about sport, isn't it? And Murray was a good example of that. And Nadal, I mean, it was sad in some ways when when he was interviewed after that match. Um, Against the Australian, which he won, um, he was he, he was a very different person from the sort of angry guy that you see on the court as well. He was very softly spoken, very humble, um, yeah. and accepting very much his fate. You know that this is what happens in sport. You get to the top, but you can't stay there forever. And you try and you try and you try, but eventually 
father time or the body or injuries takes their toll and uh, this is what's happened to Nadal and, and yet he, he's still going to continue see, after he got beaten in the next match he's still going to come back and he's going to try and win yet another French Open I imagine in three or four months um, and uh, you just wonder why these guys continue to play like that I suppose um, is there nothing else in their lives I suppose that's the other side of it why would you continue to play he doesn't need the money uh, he doesn't have to work again for the rest of his life um, his body is broken down but still they hang in there um, I don't quite understand that myself but uh, I've never been to the top in sports so I suppose that's probably why <laughs> but you're right I mean the point that I was thinking about as you were reflecting is they don't need the money and that's the point but they keep going your story about Ron Elbridge I, I grew up on that dad used to dine out on it and, and tell me that, oh uh, yeah yeah, yeah know, but it's right, well it was boys own yeah. stuff you know he came on with his head bandaged and and scored the winning try or whatever but I but I, but it also reminded me of that great boys own story of Bert Sutcliffe batting against South Africa in 1953 and, and you'll remember yeah, that story he yeah. was hit by Neil Adcock. Oh, Blair. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and had to, yeah, go, had to knew, go off. And Sorry, you go. I, I knew I knew Bob Blair because he, he, I grew up in the Hutt Valley and he uh, played his club cricket for Upper Hutt. And um, he had a sports wear shop somewhere around Lower Hutt or in Petoni. And so he was one of my heroes, Bob Blair. I mean, just not, you know, because, partly because of that, but I, he was an express bowler. I think he was the fastest bowler in New Zealand cricket until someone like Gary Bartlett came along. And so he was one of my heroes growing up. And I remember getting his autograph one day. I went along to Fraser Park and Taita, where Upper Hutt were playing Taita in a senior club game. And I was about 12 or 13, and I came home and I showed Mum and Dad Bob Blair, Bob Blair's autograph in my autograph book. So, yeah, it was a well, sad and, story, wasn't it? But, well, it's an incredible story. And, and, and just for our listeners who don't know it, of course, uh, uh, Sutcliffe was hit by the, the South African uh, bowler, Neil Adcock, and uh, had to go off, came back on swathed in, in bandages, and then took to Hugh Tayfield, a spinner. Uh, and uh, when they lost the eighth wicket, of course, Bob Blair's uh, fiance had been killed in the Tangawai disaster mm, uh, in New Zealand. Exactly, they were, yeah. Yeah, yeah, they were playing in South Africa. And of course, and I talked to Bert about this. Uh, he said that you know they started walking off when the ninth wicket fell because uh, Bob Blair was back at the hotel grieving, obviously, has just haven't got the news. Mm. And as they walked off, uh, the the crowd went silent, and out walked Bob Blair. And uh, and he and Sutcliffe batted together. Tayfield was hit for a number of sixes. It's an extraordinary story. Anyway, Brendan, the good news is Rod Latham is out of bed. Good morning, Rod. Good morning, Gareth. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Nice of you to join us. We're just, Telf and I are just reminiscing uh, about matters uh, in, the, in the deep, dark past. But nice to have you with us, Rod. And, uh, and, and with you joining us, we can turn our attention a little bit to cricket. And, of course, Tom playing over in the subcontinent, an area that he seems to absolutely love and uh, thrive in. It was a pretty thrilling game last night, and we're looking forward to tonight's match. Yeah, tonight's match should be good. It's um, obviously we we're one 0 down, but uh, I thought they showed uh, what they could do. You know, it's nice to see Michael Brace will do well and and uh, get us into a position where we possibly could have won it. But um, wasn't to be this time. But uh, I'm sure that'll give them plenty of confidence. Yeah, and Bracewell's innings was pretty special, wasn't it? I mean, it, well, it was extraordinary. Yeah, it was. I mean, he, he's always been able to hit the ball uh, a long distance, but. Um, you know, it's it's having the confidence to do it at that level, and you know he's relatively new to the to the team, and um, you know to to peel off an innings like that was uh, was pretty special. And 
you know, special for him and, and special for the team. And I suppose the focus for this side, uh, you know, it's a great opportunity for them playing over in India, and then they have another, uh, they return to Pakistan later in the year, and of course the World Cup in October, November in India, and, and, and our, our site's starting to turn towards that. Yeah, that's right. Um, October, I think, uh, is the World Cup in India, so this is just a, a taste of it. I know it's a little sh- short little tour with uh, three one days and I think it's three T20s. So um, short time there, but at least it'll give some of the players a who haven't been there before, an opportunity to see what conditions are like and you know, what the, the grounds are like, what the crowds are like, uh, what the hotels are even like, and um, and learning to live in a, another environment for a period of time. So, yeah, and that'll be a good opportunity for a lot of them. And, and Telf, just, uh, I suppose, the, the other thing from a cricketing point of view that I am incredibly excited about this season is the fact that in the not-too-distant future... Uh, the England side, the Test side, join us for tests mm. at the Bay Oval in Mount Monganui and then another one at the Basin Reserve. That's going to be a great experience if they're, uh, if they're on form. Well, it will be, yeah. And uh, I think one thing that this Indian t- tour has shown, which perhaps surprised me a little, I thought that um, you know we would be absolutely m- massacred by the Indians on their conditions uh, at home, given the fact they seem to have uh, rediscovered their mojo in recent uh, times. And Kohli, I think, has come into the series with three centuries and in-, in recent innings against Sri Lanka. And here we were. Uh, almost with the New Zealand A team, and I think of the players who are missing, and it does, I suppose, indicate that there is real strength in New Zealand cricket now. You know, no Southie, no Bolt, no Henry, um, no Jamison, no Sodi, no Williamson. I mean, this is, these are five or six of our leading frontline players in I- any form of the game, including uh, ODIs. And to be taking on India, I thought we are just going to be absolutely slaughtered here. And I thought we did pretty well to confine them to 340-odd, including that uh, barrage of sixes coming from Gill at the end of the innings. And then to be six for 130, um, I thought, well, this is basically what was going to happen. We're going to just get smashed in these one dayers. And for that innings of Michael Bracewell's, I mean, uh, Rod will probably have a better idea, but I'm trying to think, has there ever been a better one-day innings than that with a bat by New Zealand? I'm thinking probably Brendan McCallum and one or two of his blistering innings uh, might have uh, matched it. But um, breaking down that innings of his guard, you know, he scored a boundary on average every three and a half balls in yeah. that innings of 140. So the depth in New Zealand cricket, which has always been an issue for us. I mean, we've always had two or three world-class players and you can go right back, I suppose, to the early days of Hadley and Crow and company. Um, but I, I just think, you know, with so many of our leading players missing um, and to perform as well as that in India, augurs well. And yes, it, I think it just heightens interest in this series against England with the McCallum factor, of course, very much at work as well. So bring on the ponds. Thanks, Brendan, and thanks, uh, Rod. I think the other greatest innings in one-day cricket, I think Tom Latham against India in Auckland. That's it from us in the uh, Enterprise Canterbury Sports Corner. Enjoy your weekend.